0: Welcome to the Review Me Name podcast. I am, as always, Jordan. Tonight is our first uh, Best of 2012 podcast. We're going to be talking about the best of 2012 in television. With me on the show today, we have Sam. Hello. Sarah. Hi. And Chris. Yo. So throughout the hour, we're going to be talking about our personal favorites uh, and what we think worked and did not work about them over the season and over the year of 2012. So why don't we start with a little, uh, before we get to our group favorites, we're going to start with what I'm calling the television orphan section, where each of us will get the chance to talk about a show that we think was one of the best of 2012, that everyone else either does not agree or doesn't watch. Um, we're going to start with you, Sarah, and you're going to tell us about Heart of Dixie.
1: Yay! Okay, so I'm kind of a Heart of Dixie evangelist, because I have loved Rachel Bilson since the O.C., and I'm very loyal to people that were in teen shows. Um, shout out to Sophia Bush on the Now Deceased Partners. Um, Who was okay. what,
0: like three of the people on your list yesterday?
1: <laughs> Two.
0: If you haven't Two. read Sarah's list, by the way, it went up on Monday. You're probably listening to this on Friday when the podcast comes out. But you should check it out. Uh, anyway, Sarah, you were saying?
1: Yeah. So basically, she is this like hard-ass New York um, resident, like medical resident. And she doesn't get the... Fellowship she wants in New York because she I don't know, like has be no, no bedside show. manner. I don't know. Yeah. Horrible contrived reason. Um, so she, this random, like, old man has basically been sort of stalking her throughout her medical career, trying to get her to come down to this practice in Alabama. And she goes, and this isn't really a spoiler because it was in the beginning of the very first season. And finds out this person was actually her dad, and then he dies, so she takes over his half of the practice and, like, has to endear herself to the other doctor in the practice, who's a surly old man, and this very small southern town, and Jason Street from Friday Night Lights, um, who also was scary on The Good Wife. He was, Um, yes,
0: he was Kalinda's, uh...
1: Nemesis for a while, back when Kalinda's yeah. was he not, Was sex. he not
2: paralyzed on either of these shows?
1: <laughs> no, no. Full functioning in both of these shows. Um, he did get beat up with a bat one time
0: on The Good Wife, though.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he recently fell into a lake while sleepwalking on Heart of Dixie. So... so he's going through some hard times. Yeah. But anyway, so the show is really good, and it's like, you know, typical CW. Like, it's kind of stupid. Sometimes the dialogue is not good. <laughs> So but, what you've said right. so far about
0: it is it's horribly contrived and kind
1: of stupid. But, wait, wait, wait. Is, but, is the main character's
2: last name Heart and she's in... Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Just making that, sure it's that horrible. That is, a
1: thing. <laughs> <laughs> that is That is a thing. But that's no worse than Grey's Anatomy. No one is
0: defending uh, Grey's yeah, Anatomy. Yeah, I don't
2: think... It's not worse than Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> oh. Actually, Grey's Anatomy is slightly more clever because it references... I mean, I guess Heart of Dixie might reference something. But Grey's the Anatomy references, Dixie, yeah. like, Down, Grey's Down Anatomy. Down in the
0: Heart of Dixie a thing that, like, it's it's an expression. Grey's Anatomy a Heart of Dixie
1: might art. reference both Down in the Heart of Dixie and also that Grey's Anatomy was a playoff name.
3: I uh, I, I once had a psychology class where uh, somebody got in an argument with um, a tenured professor that they didn't understand that the show was named Grey's Anatomy because the doctor was Grey. Wow! Really? How Wait, the that... tenured yeah.
1: professor didn't understand this, or no,
3: no, no, the the student didn't under didn't know oh. that the medical textbook
2: existed. Oh, the student didn't know that there was a medical textbook called Grey's Anatomy. No.
1: Well, I guess, and that, then I mean, that's when confronted dumb. with that knowledge was angry about it.
3: It was it was entertaining. It was entertaining.
1: I just don't understand where the fight came in because it's like, yeah. oh, I didn't this know is, that. This I isn't really a story,
3: that. Chris. It's more <laughs> of an anecdote. Yeah,
0: it is.
2: <laughs> well, there's also uh, Spalding Gray, the monologuist. Yes. He had a performance called Grey's Anatomy.
0: Also clever, I'm sure, for the same exact reason. Except Spalding Gray is actually A-Y, um, with, like the textbook, whereas yeah. Grey's Anatomy, the series, is E-Y.
2: Ah, huh, very <laughs> clever. Yeah. wordplay. Why
1: did they do that? Why couldn't they have just made her Meredith Grey A-Y? Um, because
2: that would have been too serendipitous.
0: Right? Uh, or maybe people I would have see. been like, so is it about a textbook? I can't watch that show. <laughs>
2: And it okay. turned out it was. Alright, Heart of Dixie.
1: <laughs> okay, Heart of Dixie. What season great. are we in Part
2: of Hard Dixie right
1: now? The reason that I really want to talk about it is because they answered a lot of fan complaints, and by fan complaints I mean complaints, um By the fans. No. Written by the uh, Go Fug Yourself team during their uh, recaps of the show. And uh they made Zoe Hart's like nemesis a lot more relatable. She stopped dressing like she was dressed it like took her clothes out of mothballs, and she got a better accent. And so this season, the show has been sort of laughing at the fact that it's silly and has been hilarious, and it's so cute, and I'm worried it's going to get canceled, and I really love it. What season Um, is
0: this? Two. Okay. So it's not too much work for everyone to catch up if they need to.
1: And also, it's not so intricately plotted that you even have to catch up.
0: Fair enough. I mean, if I was ever to watch the show, I'm crazy about those things, but if you're not, go watch Heart of Dixie, I guess. Um, anything else you want to say before we move on, Sarah?
1: You're a snob.
0: Well, nice. I'm sure that's not the, uh, last time I'll be saying that during this podcast, but
1: okay. No, I'm
2: pretty sure everything else we're going to talk about is in fact better than Heart of Dixie. Just (laughs) a guess, though. I haven't seen Heart of Dixie. I can't speak to that.
1: You should watch it. Um...
0: Well, Sarah, there, we, do have a, we do have a Challenge Accepted feature that we do from time to time on this podcast, and if you challenge Sam to watch Heart of Dixie, I would probably laugh really hard at Sam. Sam, I do.
1: Talk. I challenge you well, to watch Heart of Dixie. It's not your
2: turn. It's not your turn. <laughs> yeah.
1: But you can do that in the you future. You gotta wait
0: a few months
2: for that. Yeah, you gotta wait until I'm done with Homeland.
1: <laughs>
0: well, you've gotta wait until we do Challenge Accepted again, which will be coming back in January. So stick around, Sarah, and we will we'll let you do
2: horrible things to Sam, and I'll find it humorous. Ugh,
1: Trust God. me, you'll want to watch Heart of Dixie after Homeland a palate cleanser if you will
2: okay well i'm actually you know when i do eventually have to watch this shit i look forward to actually seeing it so i can actually hate it with authority hate it
0: (laughs) fine um sam goes into everything with an open mind as you can see
1: i can see Um, you're also a snob sam i am why don't we move on and talk about uh
0: chris's orphan pick uh the league no mine is arrow oh you changed your mind
2: yeah, well, I see I watched the league too. Well, so, I've yeah, seen Arrow, some
0: of the league, like... but I haven't seen it this year. But all right, we're moving the league. You didn't you didn't change Arrow on my schedule.
3: No, I'm I'm joking right now. I, I actually I was going to um... say also you hate Arrow. <laughs> yeah, is Jordan going to change Arrow. it right now? I cannot hate I I cannot hate a show more than I hate Arrow right now. Um, Why? Then you should watch Art of Dixie. <laughs> 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 well, I hate that more than How
2: Arrow. is uh How is John Arrow Barrowman?
3: Yeah. Uh he's alright, Nip. But... Is John
0: Berriman uh Batman? No, he's not Batman. Then can we stop talking about Arrow forever? Yes. Right now. Um go ahead and talk about the league, which even though Sam watches it, it's not on uh the list of shows we're gonna talk about tonight, so I'm gonna go ahead and let you talk about it, Chris.
3: Okay. Uh I don't think the league has been having its best season. I think its best season was last year, season three. Um I it it but it's it's very quality. It's always and very enjoyable. Uh, I think it's some of the best uh, improv-driven comedy on television right now, and they always manage to get some great guest stars to show up, both from uh, the world of comedy and from the world of sports. Uh, if you're not a football fan, it doesn't really matter. You don't really need to know anything about football to watch and enjoy the show. Uh, and It's just it's just a lot of fun. Just Yeah, I can back that up because I know nothing about football and I've
0: liked yeah. what I've seen of it. <laughs>
3: Yeah. So, I mean, this season you have more of everything that's great about the show. Um, you have more Rafi, uh, the always great Jason Mantzoukas, is reprising his role as the sexual deviant, possible, uh, homicidal Murderer. maniac brother in law <laughs> of, um, Nick Kroll's character. And, um, uh, yeah, just a lot of good stuff.
2: It is I, a funny show. And it's, it, it's like in the same vein of, in a way, uh, kind of like, um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia and Seinfeld, where the episodes are always constructed that it's gonna have like the catastrophic ending. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? All
3: all of the plot lines will come back around and coincide towards the end of the episode. And and they've had great guest stars this season too. I, I think my favorite episode this season was um the the sushi restaurant where you had uh Timothy Oliphant guest starring as a right. white sushi sushi chef who obviously had no idea how to prepare sushi, um, and also, um, oh, uh, Ryan Hansen, very funny actor yes. who was on both Veronica Mars and the Party canceled Down. way before its time, Party Down, uh, was also in that episode. So that another was of mine.
2: another favorite uh, guest star of mine. I think it was from last season. They got Jeff Goldblum to play. Nick Kroll's dad.
3: That was genius cast. Which was I can't think of a
0: better match for family.
2: And I think he's coming back too, which is exciting. Oh, that's great.
0: Um, I'm going to take your Tim- Timothy Olyphant uh, as a point as a opportunity to say everyone should watch Justified, even though that's not my orphan, because um, it's great. Okay.
2: Um,
0: so anything else you want to say about the league before we move on?
3: Uh, no, that's it. It's a great show, and um, it's definitely one of my favorite comedy performers of the fall season so check it
0: out cool we're going to turn things over to sam who's orphans also a show that that chris and i watch but chris and i are not up to date on it so sam you're the only one who's seen the episodes there in 2012 we're going to talk about doctor who for a minute
2: yes the construct of doctor who we have the first half of the most recent season uh is over and we're just now waiting on the christmas episode and then we get the back half of the season um, this was a significant season for Doctor Who because the longtime companions, uh, Amy and Rory, left the show. And I am being very careful to talk about how they left the show.
0: Yeah, I know um, they're gone. I don't know how. And if you spoil it, I will murder you.
2: They are gone. I won't say how or where or when. Ooh. Ooh. yeah. Um, basically, what I thought was interesting about this half of the season, I don't know if I liked it, but it was certainly interesting. Doctor Who is you know more and more becoming more popular outside of the UK. So this season has been trying to be more inclusive so basically they've made much more standalone episodes and it's kind of a trend in television which I'm not a huge fan of just because I like I like it serialized and I think Doctor. Who does good serialized stuff and with a mix of standalone episodes. Uh, this season, it was really just, I think, four or five standalone episodes, and there was a twisty first episode with Asylum of the Daleks, which is a very heavy heavy Dalek episode, and certainly the best Dalek episode in a long, long time, maybe since Dalek from uh, yeah, The Sarah. Ninth Doctor. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I enjoyed Dalek. It, it had Lynchian undertones, which I think Jordan will get a kick out of. That's the
0: only thing you ever um, have to say to get me to watch something, ever, by the way. Sarah, if you would say that Hard Dixie had Lynchian undertones, I'd probably be watching it right now.
3: Jordan, um, Arrow has Lynchian undertones. First, you to tell me undertones. what that
0: means. <laughs> um, David Lynch.
3: Um,
2: unfortunately, oh, he was
0: in Harry Potter! Um, no, David Tennant no. was in Harry Potter. Damn
2: it! Yeah, but he was in Doctor <laughs> Who. Um, anyway, um, the problem is, because they were all standalone episodes the episodes that didn't work so well really had nothing else going for it cuz even if you had a bad episode at least you might advance the main story but this season didn't have that so much so when you got a kind of a weak episode which i'd say half were weak and half were good to very good and the ones that were weak were incredibly forgettable but the unsurprisingly the strongest episodes were the first and the last both written by uh Moffat
0: Moffat who writes and pretty much all of the great episodes
2: Yeah, and it was a little honestly it was a little disappointing for the first half of the season. It's the first time I've watched the show first air you know, first run. I've known the show from Netflix watch instantly, and that was good for you know, continuing a flow and following a serialized storyline, and it worked very well for that. This is the first time I'm having to wait for the show. So now I'm waiting for their Christmas special, which will introduce Jenna, Jenna Louise Coleman, who is going to be the next um, okay. companion for the Doctor, and so they're, they're not doing
0: a Christmas one-off because don't they usually usually the Christmas specials have a one-off companion?
2: Uh, no, I think this this one is introducing the new companion companion. Right. Though sometimes so, they they have done uh, the one-off. Well, there was you one had with uh, what's her had, Kylie Minogue. Um, yes,
0: I mean the first time we saw Donna, uh, she was the one-off, and then she came back later.
2: Donna was a one-off, but then she did come back. And then in one of the Christmas episodes, you meet Donna's dad, and he comes back. Actually, that was the Kylie Minogue one.
0: Yes, yes, it was.
2: Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always excited about a new chapter in Doctor Who and seeing what they're going to do and keep it fresh. And it, it did feel like it was certainly time for the pawns to go uh, by their time. It didn't feel too soon, though. It was quite sad. It
0: feels too soon to me, though. I haven't seen this half season yet. I. I think that they're probably my favorite of all the companions in the new series, so I'll be they're
2: sad all, to see them go. They were but the longest since, tenured of the new ones.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, percent. and
3: especially since I feel like season five of Doctor Who was such a break from the first four seasons, it almost felt like a another uh, like a soft relaunch for the series, so I not only have they been the, had the longest tenure, they're almost sort of you could say the first companions of a distinct chapter of doctor Who. So I, I they're I'd agree with that. The,
0: yeah. And five those, has been like, my favorite of the of season so, it, so far as well. So some so. of the
3: other companions.
2: Yeah. I think yeah. five, five might be the best for me now. I used to go with four hardcore cause I love the last few episodes of four. Um, but I think five, yeah. five is a good shot of taking that over. I just love me some David. Tennant. Well, He's I think some point we're
0: probably going to do the doctor who like special podcast we've been talking about. Once Sam, Jordan catches up. Where Sam and I can talk about his journey through Buffy and mine through Doctor Who that we challenged each other to before this podcast was a thing. Ooh, but, what a glorious
2: challenge that was. But that was fun.
0: Until we get to that, um, I'm going to go ahead and move on to my uh, orphans, which I'm picking two, and I'm wiping the floor with both of you guys or all of you guys quality wise since each of you couched the quality of your shows and both of my orphans are in my top five TV shows of 2012.
3: Wait, what?
1: which that are your orphans? That just means you think they're better. doesn't mean they're better. Yeah, Jordan. Well, yeah,
0: but you were all like, these are all mediocre. Like, Sam's like, this Doctor Who season was mediocre. And Chris is like, uh, League has been better before. And Sarah's like, well, Hard Dixie's stupid and contrived.
1: We must just have higher standards than you. Yeah, okay. Go on. Well, my so.
0: orphans are uh, first so, Homeland. Okay. uh And then we'll get to, to my other in a moment. But Homeland is in its second season right now. Sam is uh, apparently watching the first at the moment. So I won't spoil anything for you, those of you who have not watched it. But Homeland is an incredible drama. Um, Basically, it's about the national security state. I don't want to say too much more because I don't want to spoil anything.
2: That's right.
0: It's got um, phenomenal performances by Claire Danes, by Damien Lewis, um, by Mandy Patinkin. Really, everyone in the cast is pretty fantastic. And the, the show is... As much as its, it's plotting is, is pretty good and very interesting, the show really lives and dies by its characters in a way that very few television shows do, and it has some of the best, most complex characters on television ever, really, and it does such a great job of getting inside their heads and telling you where they are and sort of the things they do and don't know about themselves and each other uh, in ways that I think are fascinating, and it continues to be great. Um it's 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 hit a bit of a rough patch over the last few weeks plotting wise again I'm not going to say much but the acting is top notch really probably the best male and female performance on television in 2012 came from Homeland. Um I think and it's it's saying something to have Damian Lewis beat Brian Cranston and John Hamm, but I really think that he was better than both of them this year. Um Ooh,
2: thems fighting words. Yeah,
0: he was he's been phenomenal. Claire Danes has been equally good, especially considering um they've been They've had to sideline her more in season two due to her pregnancy. Um, but she's still gotten a lot of great material and she's been fantastic. So if you're not watching Homeland, I'm sure plenty of other people in your life are telling you to, go watch Homeland. It's fantastic. The other show that I want to talk about, um, and this is probably the saddest thing for me in 2012, pop culture-wise, uh, The Orphan is Luck. And Luck was canceled because people seem to care a lot about horses not dying. Um, but Idiots. <laughs> But it was, in its nine episodes, uh, one of the greatest debut seasons I've ever seen, uh, and was a show that, from the pilot, I was I was watching thinking, this may become one of my all-time favorite shows. It was... It had a cast that was just phenomenal. You had Dustin Hoffman, Nick Nolte, uh, Richard Kind, um, Michael Gambin was on there. It was just an amazing group of people, written by David Milch, the creator of Deadwood. Um, it was about... Uh, the basic premise was uh, it was set around a horse racing track and all of the characters that interacted there. So you had people who were training the horses. You had jockeys uh, with storylines. You had some of the gamblers who uh, the, sort of serves as a Greek chorus for the rest of the show. Dustin Hoffman played a character recently released from prison who was angling to take over the racetrack and turn it into a casino. Um, it was just... The plot was was complex and, and fascinating. There was a lot of inside baseball stuff about horse racing that I was learning a lot about during the run of the show. But just, it was written so beautifully. The dialogue was just so amazing. It was knock your socks off. Um, every episode of that show, I walked away thinking, look, there's nothing like this on television. And this is one of the best TV shows I've seen in a very long time. So even though Luck has been canceled and we won't get to see a se- second season of it, it had an amazing nine-episode first season, and you should all go back and check it out. It was, it's really worth your time. Um, so with that, I think we're, we're ready to wrap up Orphans, right, folks?
2: Jerk. Sure. Goodbye, Orphans. Into the furnace with you.
3: And... Into the cold, cold
2: December wind.
0: Well, you guys need to decide where you're throwing your Orphans, because those seem like options. Well, we're
2: going to split them up. One's gonna, one's, yeah. Some are going to freeze.
0: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> some will freeze and some will burn.
2: <laughs> that that yes. seems to be what we're Lovely.
0: doing. Lovely. Okay. okay. So more well, orphans. we could we could talk more about that, but why don't we move on into our our shows um, that we think kind of represent a cross section of of the great things about television in 2012? I want to start with a show that I don't personally watch, but I know Chris and Sarah watched. So, Chris, I'm going to toss it over to you, and you and Sarah can talk for a few minutes about Happy Endings.
3: Okay. So I'm going to start this off by saying that I watched Happy Endings season one mostly because I didn't really have anything else to watch at the time. And I wasn't a huge fan of it. I later realized as the season went on that they were airing episodes out of order. um, And it was one of those shows that really grew on me over time. Uh, Then season two hit, and it was such a dynamic change. The show just clicked together and was firing on all cylinders. And it's season three has been more of the same. It's just doing what it does best, which is just rapid pace, comedy a lot of references i think they pop denser pop they have a denser um amount of pop culture references than even community does it's just bold words references. yes no i mean the amount of references they punch they pack into each episode is amazing um and the cast has incredible chemistry together uh and i i can't really think of a weak episode this season so far sarah what do you think of the season thus far
1: um i like it better than the first season, but it's feeling, I, I don't want to say stale because stale is like a really bad word to call a TV show. It's, <laughs> it just, it's not sparking quite as much for me as the second season. Like they all still have the same great chemistry. They all, you know, everything's still great. I'm not, I i don't know if it's because I, how specific can I be? Because I have one really it, point. specific. point. You can go ahead and no be board. specific. At and this I, think point,
3: I, I think I know what you're about to say. At can this I, point for the rest uh, of the
0: podcast we're going to go ahead and say if we're talking about a show we will probably be spoiling it. So if we're talking about a show that you haven't uh, watched and you're worried about spoilers which maybe you probably shouldn't be on Happy Endings because it's a sitcom but if you are Go ahead and either skip ahead or uh, move on from the podcast. Hey, maybe because maybe people get
2: nights. like mowed down and uh, happy
0: endings. <laughs> well, if so, then I'll be upset that it was spoiled. But go ahead and spoil okay. as much spoil as spoiler, you
2: know. happy go for
3: endings. So the, the like fire episode. Let happy me, let endings... me guess. Is...
1: wait guess okay
3: <laughs> okay go. are you are you t- are you referring to the Alex Dave subplot?
1: Uh no, I'm I don't mind that they're Make back together rest. because I think that's funny and I, I think it's going to happen anyway and. I like the way they bounce off of each other, but I don't like the fact that there might be a Penny-likes-Dave subplot. Sub-subplot.
3: Okay. Well, you know, I actually agree with you. Like, when they started bringing that up in season two, I I really didn't feel that. I didn't feel that those two characters have the same kind of chemistry that I think the writers think they do, because they keep really kind of pushing it as a more viable relationship, whereas I just don't see that at all uh and i a lot of other critics i've been seeing online have a big problem with the alex um dave repairing which i think is hilarious because i they, do too and like they're ex- it, so self-aware about it i mean every episode is just like it just gets worse and worse and they're not realizing how bad it's getting but i and i think they mined actually a lot of humor out of it
1: i mean i think so too and i think that if they had two people that were going to get married just, like, never, ever get back together, it would, in a group like that, it wouldn't really be believable. Like, they might not stay together, yeah. but, like, no, you I, have to I relapse at least I, once.
3: Yeah. I, I, I'm i glad that we're on the same page about that because I honestly haven't found that lots of other people who watch the show, let alone enjoy that subplot the way I do. But I, yeah. I've really been enjoying this season thus far for the fact that I think the show works best when they just embrace this idea of, they can get silly. They can get really silly. And as long as the their character pairings are working, it doesn't really matter that sometimes some of the stuff they do borders a little bit cartoonish or may not completely jive with what we have come to understand as the history of the show. I think my favorite example so far is the episode recently where it was revealed that, um, some of the characters met on the real world and it was just never brought up before. I I don't know another show where you can do that.
1: They said they're like, it's so weird that this is how our friend group was formed and we've never mentioned it before. And I appreciated that nod to like, this is not very plausible, but we're going to do it anyway. And it was hilarious. So I'm glad they did it.
3: It was just such a great, like, look look at the camera moment, and it works yeah. so well. And I don't know another show that can pull it off as effortlessly as they
0: can. Yeah, but I'll, I'll, I'll say that I know, I know like, how much of has tried to do some of that in its later seasons, and it has yeah. never worked for me once. Because that long, show was, was so continuity-driven in its early seasons, that when you're like, oh, by the way, every character smokes, it drives me insane. Yeah. 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 Retcon. Whereas,
3: happy endings. They could retcon a lot of stuff, and I would be absolutely fine with it, because they've just kind of, Created this madcap environment where you just want to go with it, no matter what happens. Um, Also, fun energy
1: for
0: a show. I'm totally going to be checking this out. By the
3: way, you
1: have to. In the episode where they found out they all met on the real world, um, the one character that like wasn't really in it was almost a bottle episode. Jordan, so you would like it. But the one (laughs) character that sort of went away, it was he's like a very small fraction Native American, and I can't even do it justice. But it was like. Probably the funniest subplot in all of comedy almost ever. Wow. I, like, it, was, it was really funny. And it may have been offensive. I'm, it, I'm I don't okay care. It was too funny to be offensive. It was offensive. so funny. Yeah. I mean, um, and also
3: you have things like two characters forming a um, a bar mitzvah hype man group called Boys to Menorah. Uh That was brilliant. There's just so many great... I think there's only been four or five episodes this season so far, and all of them have just been so on point that I'm excited for where it goes next. And Jordan, I've said this before, and I will continue to say this, in terms of for the kind of comedy that I think everyone this podcast loves, and I think a lot of our readers and listeners also love, I honestly see happy endings picking up the baton to the show's, like specifically shows like Community and Parks and Recreation, which one is ending very soon and one probably won't be far behind it. So look to this show if you're depressed about the state of coming comedy because it is definitely the bright spot at the end of that tunnel.
1: Awesome. It's not alone in being the bright spot, but that may be a controversial well, opinion. Are we
0: going to uh to turn the corner uh to another comedy at the moment that you might think takes that spot, Sarah?
1: I think so. So why don't we toss oh, it over God. to you
0: and we'll talk uh for a few minutes about the new girl.
1: I think it's just new girl.
2: I think it's just new girl too, Jordan. I, yeah. I God, watched Jordan. It, there is
3: no the new girl.
2: <laughs> What's um, this the rap you're listening to, these kids? <laughs> the raps? <laughs> sorry, Jordan. I can feel Jordan's sorry, Jordan. anger gaze at me through the <laughs>
0: Oh, I'm not anger gazing. I'm just uh, plotting your demise. Don't
1: antagonize him. He's in walking distance of me.
2: <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> just take, take everything out, out of on Sarah. On Sarah. <laughs> Don't worry. It's
0: uh, it's already the plan.
1: <laughs> anyway, new girl, not the new girl. Um, I have to say, just in case anybody that knows me winds up listening to this, I did hate it at first. I like really, really, really hated it because it was sort of like the Zoe Deschanel show, and it was like, oh my god, you're quirky in real life. You're quirky on TV. If Yay. Rachel was here,
0: she would be agreeing with you wholeheartedly because she hates Zoe Deschanel. Sadly, she died horribly.
1: <laughs> um, I actually, this show is, like, I think Zoe Deschanel is, is sort of very aware of her public perception and just okay with it. And then she's also so good on New Girl that I, I've actually grown to like her. Um, but... I think the reason that I was able to grow to, like, her and New Girl is because it really went from, like, this is a show about this one quirky girl to being a really good sort of, like, wacky ensemble comedy. Um, it's a little more heartfelt than Happy Endings, um, and I tend to like heartfelt comedies, so I, I like that. I don't... I don't know if I could pick which one I like better. but um, Fortunately, think, we will not put a gun to your besides head.
0: besides Sarah and I watch New Girl? Uh, I don't. I do not. That's another one that's on my catch-up pile. But below okay. Happy Endings.
3: I I do not like New Girl as much as I like Happy Endings, but I definitely like it a lot. They're probably, I mean, for so long, I've kind of been of the mind of NBC is my go-to place for comedy and has the best comedy. But behind, right behind Parks and Recreation and Community right now for me are Happy Endings and New Girl. I agree with you that the ensemble is absolutely phenomenal. I um, Especially, I want to point out uh, Max Greenfield, who plays Schmidt, who just kind of bounced around from show to show to show as just kind of this perennial guest star and has finally landed somewhere where he is just absolutely killing it week in and week out. It just makes me
1: very happy to see him finally finding some success. Um, He's had an incredible amount of success lately. He has been allowed to guest edit two issues of Goop, which is Gwyneth Paltrow's newsletter. Ah! <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to vomit profusely. Excuse me. has that effect on me. <laughs> I forgot that you have that visceral reaction to. Glenn <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, you, said, you said the name again. It, it, it set off at me a little bit.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah, Schmidt. I think is. He ties the the group together because he's sort of, like, the zaniest and the wackiest, and so um, the other members can can be a little bit more dramatic, and he still makes it everything funny without being vapid, because Schmidt has a lot of feelings, and I think that makes him so funny, because he's feeling all these things, and he doesn't really know how to deal with himself, and that's why he's hilarious.
3: On that note, one of my favorite episodes this season has been... uh, models not so much for the a plot with jess and cc but for the b plot where the where nick had to like come to terms with the fact that he can't express guy love in the same way that schmidt and winston can and <laughs> yeah. i've had some of the funniest moments of the show this season um especially their hug out at the end i love that moment where they're all just like hugging each other for a while and then they have that break and just go in the direction yes
1: actually i think new girl has um some of the best I don't know I'm sure there's a word for it but the scenes when you think the episode's over what are those called you know the, the like, very end scene
2: yeah, yeah. the tags yeah. at the end yeah.
1: yeah they I think new girl like new girls are phenomenal um the most recent episode had uh Winston reading the rest of the cast um Nick's zombie novel that just like yes. randomly had a word search in it but the word search didn't have any more <laughs> I'm like it was so funny
3: yeah uh, yeah I, new I girl's think... awesome I think it's a show that really works, that kind of found the way it works best when they sort of scaled back Zoe Deschanel being the center of comedy there. I see them, they, they definitely still use her for laughs, but I think they, they're they more focused on her actual character arc and like getting the emotional beats with her, whereas the other three are allowed to be a little bit more zany and madcap, mm-hmm. uh, whether it is Nick's constant search for what he wants to do with his life and his anger issues. Or um, just Schmidt's forays into depravity with his, um, like the affair he started with his boss and his continuing his sex contract. With CeCe. Yeah, the sex contract. Yeah. Um, so I, I think mean, they've I definitely found a good balance, and they really know how to use all of five members of the cast, and especially Cece, who it was. It was a little iffy at the beginning of the season if they were going to be able to include her as much as last time around, which. I, I hope they would because I really like her dynamic with the other four, but it's hard now that she and Schmidt have broken up to include her as naturally as they once did.
1: Yeah. Um, so sort of speaking about the relationship pairings, two part question. Do you think that Zoe okay. and Nick will get together? And that's not her name in the show. What's her name in the show? Jess. Duh. Yes, <laughs> Jess yeah. and Nick oh, definitely. will get together. Yes. That, and that, that, that if will so, at some point. do you like it? Do you think they'll, I don't know.
3: It, it depends on when it happens for me. Like, at, I I'm a, I would not be okay with it happening this season or next season. Maybe towards the end of next season, I could begin to see it. It's something they need to work for. Mm-hmm. Like, they really need to sell me on it more for it. Because like I, I know that's where they're yeah. going, but they need to convince me a little bit more that it actually works rather than these are the only two that can get together.
1: Yeah. I'm, I mean, I think, so there was that episode, I don't... Oh, my God. I don't even know if this is an acceptable word to use. I learned it on New Girl, where um, he was her emotional fluffer. Is that like a porn? That's a porn term, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So basically I'm not as excited about it being a porn,
0: porn, porn term as Sam is, but yes, it's a porn
1: term. <laughs> so basically, like, the, the premise <laughs> was that Jess had a fuck buddy, and um, she was using Nick to do all of the emotional things that a boyfriend would do. And Winston, I think it was Winston who was like, you can't, you're being her emotional fluffer, like, you can't do it. And I thought it was, like, a really honest look at, like, I mean, it was hilarious, so it was honest and heartfelt, but also, like, really funny about just, like, he couldn't put together her Ikea bookshelf, so he tried, like, really hard not to, but then he, and he I don't know, it was funny.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sarah's amazing storytelling ability coming out here on the podcast.
1: Oh, shut up.
3: <laughs> it's, it's a very, very solid show. Uh, they always managed to get uh a lot la- i i think it's one of those shows that um really found its footing maybe a little bit later on than i agree with you mm-hmm. there a lot of problems in the first season but it definitely knows what it is now it knows where it's going i really trust that every week i tune in like maybe there'll be a week sub one of the plots will be a little weaker but like one of them is always going to hit for me
1: yeah and yeah. it's
3: always going to make me laugh week in week out and i so, have not yeah really go on yeah
1: yeah
3: oh that, that was about the end of my thought actually just trailing <laughs> oh, off
1: sorry um i am gonna go rogue here for a second jordan sorry Okay. because sure. there's a third show that goes into this group for me that i know draws some mixed feelings from the group which is the mindy project
0: haven't seen it oh, so i have no opinion
1: um i don't think it draws okay rogue
0: feelings from the group except chris
3: <laughs> okay no, chris? it draws rogues feeling from chris all right <laughs> let, me, let me let her rip chris out this way the Mindy Project will be a great show next season.
1: Okay, that, that was what I was going to say. I was going to say give it a chance because both Happy Endings and New Girl got better. So we yeah. agree. No, this is yeah, almost I, three So of so the, the podcast minute should minute.
0: realize, um, I'm going to go ahead and throw some context in here because okay. uh, this is being released on Friday after all of our lists have come out. There was, a, there was some consternation within the Reviewing Name staff over our group episodes list uh, when The Mindy Project's Dana Castellano is my gynecologist made our list. Um, and Chris was was pretty adamant that while the Mindy Project had its merits and was going to someday be a good show, it did not deserve to make the episodes list, and he, was, he thought other things that did not make it as a result uh, deserved it it's more. It's the
2: damn point system.
0: It is the damn point system, and the fact that you know we it tried to be populist. Last year, the episodes list was mostly Rachel and I in a room cobbling things together with a little bit of input from other people. I, this year, I wanted it to be more of a group list since I was doing my own uh, best television shows list. So we did the point system, and... You know,
2: Jordan, this is why they have the Electoral College and not popular vote. (laughs) (laughs) To keep disasters like this from happening.
3: (laughs) I... I I watch the Mindy Project. I I do enjoy the Mindy Project. I just don't think it's found itself yet. I I see it having a a lot of potential. A real lot of potential. And I think they've been very smart in taking a season to do a lot of world building. But I just haven't come across the episode of the show yet that really wowed me enough to say, like, yeah, they're ready. This is them hitting their stride. They just haven't done that for me yet. I really think that next season they will, and I will be definitely watching next season, but they just haven't done it yet for me. They're still making a lot of mistakes so far, and there's going to be a lot of stuff that I think they're going to jettison as the show goes on and you're going to see a leaner meaner show once the writers get a feel for what works what chemistry works what jokes work and find a real comfort level between the writing and their actors performances
1: well uh yeah I think that um I I put uh Mindy and uh Danny Castellano on my friends list and I think that some of the other pairings, some of other, the other people that Mindy interacts with is kind of awkward, but I so I I agree that it needs to be sort of more streamlined. I also think that the like the things that really strike me on the Mindy project as funny are a little bit more gendered or like woman oriented than on Happy Endings or New Girl. So I and I hope that they either like, I don't, I don't want them to tone it down because it's great, but maybe like ratchet up some more like gender neutral humor. What, not, I, don't, I don't know if that's going Could you give me an
3: example or... of.
1: Um, well, I mean, like the questions that you have to ask. The, so, the, in the Danny Castellano's My gyne- Gynecologist, like the questions yeah. that you have to ask. And then um, in, the, in the cold open of an episode a couple weeks ago when she's like wearing his shirt and it's all cute. And then, like, that, he that puts was on her hilarious. Pants,
3: that's that's like, an example of when I think the show, wh- why I have faith that the show is going to be great at some point. Yeah. Like was that cold open? And, I thought that cold open was phenomenal.
1: Yeah, and then the Thanksgiving episode, um, when the friends got in a fight, Mindy and her best friend, and, um, a male friend of mine, like, was just like, this is so random, like, people don't fight like that, and I was like, actually, no, like, the joke that best friends get into knock-down, drag-out fights every couple years, like, I totally relate to that. So I just think that maybe it's still working out, like, it's demographic, and it's cast, and... I think, I think if you look at
0: some of the great sitcoms of all time, they took a season or so to get it going, you know? Seinfeld yeah. was, never, was not Seinfeld in its first season. Parks and Rec, uh, to, for a more contemporary example, was not even a good show in its first season. Like, it didn't really get good until partway through season two. Um, Cougar Town was a completely different show for roughly half of its first season before it got really great. So yeah. I think shows take a while to find themselves, especially sitcoms, which need to figure out what the characters yeah, that, are, that's... who the characters are, and what makes them funny yeah
3: i i would definitely agree with that and that's exactly where i was coming from in my your reaction about the mindy project making the list. there were too many capital
0: letters for me to figure out what you were talking about so all right jordan <laughs> all right it was a bad morning for me <laughs> um so are we about ready to wrap up the uh the i guess we're talking about mini project now do we have anything else to say about that before we move on
1: sorry no
0: <laughs> no no uh more than welcome to talk about that um but why don't we move on now and talk about a show sam i'm going to toss to you to uh lead us through this because you fought for the inclusion of this show on the podcast so let's talk about game of thrones for a minute
2: yeah i mean i was actually kind of surprised that this didn't get included uh, that was uh,
3: you have me and rachel to thank for that
2: that it didn't get included
3: yeah we split the vote on what episode we wanted in
0: so yeah for our and- epis- for our episodes list sam and rachel were like Uh, The reason that we ended up, so, for uh, listeners... Well, I
2: didn't vote for any because I was, like, still finishing up the show.
0: So the way that it worked for listeners um, is we had one episode from every show, with the exception of Game of Thrones and Mad Men, where the editorial board fought to a standstill over which of the nominated episodes uh, from our first round of voting would be in the second round. So we let both of those uh, nominees go into the second round. And Rachel and Chris were so divided that they ended up uh, splitting the vote and Game of Thrones did not make the list. I believe wow. A Man Without Honor and <laughs> Oh, that's
2: Black So I say Honor. our
3: system is broken.
2: <laughs> I think only, that, that broken. proves if, if the Mindy Project can get on or whatever, no disrespect, I'm <laughs> sure it's great. Well, but the Mindy Thrones Project had far more votes. Elite.
0: Game of Thrones only had two people voting for it. Mindy Project had, I think, four of our staff writers voting for it.
2: So, Well, I should be the one who could break the tie now because I've seen them all now.
0: Well, um, I'm sure well, you can. What episode do you think it. was the best, Sam?
2: I don't know. They all kind of blended together. <laughs> Well, that's the problem with watching a show uh, marathon-style. Yeah,
0: you watched that entire show in, like, two days.
2: Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> um,
0: uh, I'll, I'll throw out there the reason that Game of Thrones was not originally on our podcast agenda and why I didn't vote for any of its episodes and why you will not see it on my Best Television Shows in 2012 list. I thought Season 1 of Game of Thrones was phenomenal. Um, and had I made a Best TV Shows list last year... It would have been on there, and it was on our episodes list last year. I think season two was not as good. I think season two was actually, like, it was, it was a good TV show still. Um, and a lot of good TV shows from 2012 did not make my top ten list. Um, it was one that would have been on my next ten. It would have been very high on my next ten list. Um, and I don't blame uh, Benioff and Weiss, the showrunners of Game of Thrones, because season two was adapting Akash Clash of Kings, the second book, and the weakest book in the entire Song of Ice and Fire series. So, as someone who loves the books and who loved season one of the show, I knew season two was going to have problems. I just think it was the weaker season, um, and I didn't—I didn't particularly love any single episode enough to nominate it. Uh, any episode, and I didn't love the show enough for it to make my top ten. So that's why it wasn't initially on the podcast lineup until Sam fought for it.
2: Well, I think it—I think it deserves to be in the conversation because I still think. It well, is cool. one of the best shows on television right now. Even though I agree, the second season was weaker than the first. And don't
0: get me wrong, like season three um, is going to be amazing. I know that. I know that's going to be the case. So I'm.
3: I'm well,
2: they of course the people creating it are like we needed to get to season three. This was all about getting to season yeah, three. Yeah, I'm
3: not. Me, I'm not me, just. Can I jump here for? a yeah, So right, I no, want to no. say that it was not a problem of acting, writing, no, costuming anything like that. It was a pacing problem. Season two for me at least entirely comes down to a pacing problem i don't know if that has to do with the adaptation of the book be no it it, has to do with the book (laughs) okay i also think it had to do with the fact that they were saving most of the budget for episode
0: nine well but um i won't spoil the books or anything that comes after obviously but i'll say we will
2: destroy you yeah
0: no i won't uh, what i will say is that um the show was forced to take some plot lines who were very minor in the book and make them more major for example uh Daenerys. Daenerys does not have much to do in Clash of Kings. Ergo, where are my dragons? Uh, I I only know people by their... Blonde queen, Sam. Uh, Blonde
2: queen, queen okay, dragon queen.
0: Dragon girl. Yeah, dragon dragon girl. girl. She was left saying, where are my dragons for half a season? Because she's not in roughly half of a Clash of Kings. Interesting. It's just doing other things.
2: Well, I thought that was was a problem, and you see in the show, her storyline could take place over, like, two days. Because she's
0: literally, like, she's not in the first 200 or 300 pages of the book. And then she's, like, they they cut part of her storyline, which isn't important anyway, and then they just, like, elongated what was really a small, like, She is one of the main stories of the first book, and then not really of the second book. You know, the second book does other things. But they couldn't really, I think the show, for all of its strengths and all of the the interesting things it does with splitting the narrative, is afraid to drop main characters off the radar the way the books do. And I understand that from a television perspective, but I also think that hurt the second season.
2: I think for someone I mean I I haven't read the books and from my point of view something the first season had going for it was exploring this new world and all these new characters. Season 2 felt much more like we have all the characters, we know who they are and we're kind of just slowly lurching the story forward. And I think there wasn't as much there wasn't as much exciting discovery or betrayal or I mean the politicking was all still there.
3: If- but
2: it was the same. It was the same group of everyone, it was, and it was it was a slightly slower. It felt slower to me. I agree with Chris about pacing. Oh yeah, and it was slightly less interesting. I think overall.
0: Um, um, I think though.
2: The, I think I think though that the the battle episode towards the end of the season. Blackwater was awesome. Blackwater was great. Had I,
0: I had I picked an episode? In fact, actually, I think originally. Blackwater wasn't in the conversation for the episodes list, and I was like, well, if we're gonna throw multiple Game of Thrones episodes out there, why not include that one? Because that was I think that was the best episode of the season.
2: I do too, and I think uh Peter Dinklage deserves an Emmy nomination at at the very least. I mean, definitely he got it for season one. Yeah, he won for season um, one and
0: completely deserved that. Right. I think he deserves to be nominated again, sure.
2: And he was he was great for that episode.
0: In fact, no. Oh, that, I mean, we should say he and, was and, nominated again. Like it, it, the Emmy's already happened.
2: Right. I've, yeah, I've, he didn't the, win. The he didn't win a second
0: time, but he was nominated again.
2: Right. And I think I feel like the production of that episode it was it was really movie level, and That's, it was just the thing is like, thing like that tribute. changed yes, what was. you
0: could do on television in my mind.
2: I mean, it was really unbelievable. I was thinking about Lord of the Rings, watching that. Granted, Lord of the Rings had the you know the vast shots of thousands and thousands of horde of orcs and stuff with CGI, but this show was able to put together what I thought was a really convincing, well choreographed battle scene that felt genuine to me.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the things that excited me the most in the long term about season two is uh, the relationships that the show completely created. For example, um, in Clash of Kings, Tywin and Arya, um, Sam the little girl who's tough, and the, the old... Yes, I know, I know her. Okay. Arya. Yeah. Tywin and Arya don't ever meet in A Clash of Kings. That relationship was completely created by the show, and I thought that was one of the strongest elements of the season.
2: That was actually... That was kind of an interesting thing to me. Yeah. I like that.
0: Um, so that excites me that the writers are able to sort of improvise a little bit and come up with things that are, that are of a quality with the narrative that they're adapting that didn't actually take place there. So I think, you know... I, I bag on season two a lot. I don't think it was nearly as good as season one. But I also want to be clear that I you know, I give it a lot of slack. It was adapting by far the worst book. The book has a kind of pacing problems that the show didn't solve, but couldn't really do much with. Um, and I think it did some really great things for, uh, for, A, for the show itself, and B, for television in general in its season two, in its second season, even if it wasn't as good.
2: Yeah. I mean, even though, like I said, even though I don't think it was as good as season one, I think it still makes my top 10 shows of the year.
0: Chris, what about you? Would you think it'd be in your top 10?
3: It would definitely be in my top 10. It would be lower on my top 10 list, but I still very much enjoyed it. Uh, again, for me, it just came down to a pacing problem. I this, this was the season, I think, of a lot of great conversations. I think every episode comes down to Characters having a lot of great conversations. There were some awesome monologues for the very talented actors to really sink their teeth into and go crazy with. But when it at the end of the day, at the end of each episode, you kind of sat there thinking to yourself, okay, what really happened this episode? And a lot of the time, very little was the answer. Uh, but I, I, I still enjoyed it. I thought the last two episodes... Paid off a lot of what I was waiting for to happen in the season, so I was happy with that. Um, and they were enjoyable conversations. Uh, all these, even though they didn't really progress the plot at all or move the show forward or advance the narrative, I really enjoyed watching these characters interact with each other. So I, a week episode of Game of Thrones is still better than a lot of stuff on television right now. So yes, it would definitely have made my top ten list. Yeah, just been and,
0: and I, I agree. Uh, I don't think I don't think there was a single bad episode of game of thrones you know there was always a good element in every episode and there was always something that i enjoyed in every episode it's just i think that the show had too high a mountain to climb in season two i think that that it had so much to go up against that it was it just didn't create something season one was just phenomenal like it was just it was you know it was a top five show for me last year it was probably a top three show for me last year really um i thought it was fantastic and I expect that next season it'll probably be, be right back up there. I just think it was it was an off year, and there were, it couldn't be helped. So I don't blame the show, but it did not did not top out for me.
2: Also, uh, snow zombies. Yes, zombies. I did not. I was not that happy to see zombies. I'm zombied out.
0: Same. Well, eh, speak for yourself. Well, um, yeah, I, I won't. I won't comment on that because I know it too much, but. Um, why don't we I all guess. wait and see?
2: All right, we will wait and see We'll see how much I enjoy the snow zombies. snow zombie <laughs> next show, let's do it
0: uh we're gonna be moving on right now to community, which uh was not on this fall but had its the back half of its third season air in twenty twelve so why don't we start with you, Chris? What did you think about season three of community?
3: uh I really love season three uh some of my favorite episodes i think came of this season came within that back half that fell within 2012 um i just off the top of my head the uh pillow blanket for two-parter um which was on our episode yes, list absolutely and also the episode which involved the entire cast being uh rendered in 8-bit video game graphics and the episode took place with all the characters playing a video game with avatars of themselves going through a world um, created by a very, very racist video game programmer um, (laughs) and actually spawned an online version of the game. Somebody designed the game that they played in Community and you can go to the website and download this game and play it for yourself, which I think is really, really cool. Um, But yeah, I I really enjoyed this season and um, I'm sure we'll get into it more in a second.
0: Yeah, uh, Sam,
2: initial thoughts on Season 3 of Community? Um, I thought Community, uh, I've talked about this before with Community, its highs are, I think, higher than anybody else, and its lows are, well, they're low. Um, (laughs) That's what I think the difference between Parks and Rec and Community and why I usually will have ranked Parks and Rec above Communities. I feel there's a a little bit more consistency with Parks and Recreation. Though I think the best episodes of Community are better than uh, the best episodes in Parks and Recreation sometimes. Uh, You know, when you look at stuff like Remedial Chaos Theory, which wasn't in 2012, but episodes like that that are kind of transcendent. um, You know, but you know, with a show that takes risks like Community, sometimes they're not going to hit and sometimes they're going to be tremendous. Uh, Something like we said, I really liked um, digital estate planning. I really liked. the episode, uh, Virtual Systems Analysis, where we get a journey into Abed's head a little bit Abed, more. yeah. Uh, which is always an interesting place to go. One thing I did not like about this season was uh, what they're doing with uh, Chang. Which I think has been kind of a big miss that has run throughout the entire season. That Chang is this insane leader. Which I think is funny, maybe... Was funny initially... But Chang just feels so much on the fringes of the show and he's so insane. I don't know. I don't I don't think since he was Senior Chang in the first season, they've kind of been struggling to figure out what to do with Ken Jones, who I, I like a lot, but I wasn't so into his storyline this season. It 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 felt it felt shoved into a lot of episodes to me. You no know,
3: yeah, I have to oh go ahead. Okay. First. I I'm gonna just jump in here and this is probably not all right, I'm just gonna go ahead and go for it. Uh, the I thought that whole plotline was one of the biggest missed opportunities the show has ever had. In that, the idea of Ken Jong being the the security guard, Senior Chang being like the security guard and going mad with power, really worked for me. The thing that fell apart was his methodology, wherein he employed an army of children. Like that was the part of the joke that didn't really hook for me. Uh. Everything about that episode, the, those final two or three episodes, would have worked so be- so much better if instead of an army of children, it had been a group of Greendale students that he had like um in, doc- in uh, brought into the security force. Because his whole thing was always about how everything was so focused on the Greendale Seven and the Dean was so focused on them and their experience there that there really were... Yeah. You realize that there are marginalized students at Greendale and maybe Chang had a point and maybe some of the other asides that characters have throughout these episodes have a point where the Dean and the professors and the Greendale seven themselves are kind of obsessed about this little core that they've formed. And a lot of students are marginalized throughout. So I think the show skirted with something that could have been great and just never quite grasped at it. And so that plot line for me was a miss because of its failed potential, not so much that it just veered off into a direction that was completely alien to the show and what the show could do.
0: You know, I'll agree to a certain extent. Um, I think Community is great at doing meta-commentary, and I think um, pretty much virtually every show that we watch, uh, to a certain extent, is about, uh, especially sitcoms, is about, like, a group of people um, who, if you looked at the fringes of the show, everyone would hate. Um, you know, that's that's sort of a, a go-to uh my my biggest example is one that you guys don't watch, but if you like any cop show, but especially Justified, like if you're not the main character on Justified, you hate him. And that show usually does some good some good work with every character who is not Timothy Alphant going, like, you're a terrible and you cause us so much paperwork. Stop shooting people. Um and I feel like community set up a situation where it could do that very easily, where it's like, you were just seven students at a very large community college. You think you're the center of the world, and you're not. And I think that could have been an interesting storyline. Yeah. Um, that being said, I think the chain thing. I'm willing to accept a lot about community. I'm willing to suspend a lot of disbelief because of the world they created. I the the child army thing is a bridge too far for me. And the idea that chain kidnapped the dean for months and there was like no repercussions <laughs> whatsoever like that was too much for me. It took me out of the show to go like, wait, the dean disappeared for months. And no one was like, let's arrest Chang and put him in jail forever. <laughs> like, it just, it, it went too often to the realm of fantasy. I'm okay when the show does it as, like, the group gets too wrapped up in fantasy, or Abed gets too wrapped up in fantasy. But th- that show exists in, like, a whimsical version of our reality. Yeah. And even, like, the joke in the finale where uh, Troy is talking to the, the air conditioner repairman, and they're like, let's take him to the Labyrinth of Infinite Cold. And he's like, no, take him to the police. He murdered someone. <laughs> Like, which was one of my favorite jokes in that episode. That should apply to the previous episode, where it's, no, take Chang to the police. He kidnapped the dean. And that drove me crazy. Um, And ultimately, Community did not make my top ten list either, and that was the hardest cut for me, because Community is probably my favorite sitcom on television right now. Um, I love it more than I love Parks and Rec, even though Parks and Rec, I think, was better this year, and did make my list. Um, And I love Parks and Rec. I love Community More because the character like I connect with the characters more, and when that show is on, it is it is one of the best things on television. But I rewatched season three, uh, the back half that aired in twenty twelve while I was trying to decide where the show would fall, and ultimately a lot of the plot lines that didn't work outweighed the ones that did. And this the back half of season three got close a lot of the time, I would say. They did something very interesting with the Abed and Troy arc and ending it with virtual systems analysis, uh, the trip to Abed's Head, which I think worked very well as an op episode and actually played better for me when I watched it again um the idea of expelling the game was something that could have worked really well just wasn't executed very well and it seemed like the show the show had a lot going for it that just it didn't stick the landing that being said I do think if season four is an abomination of some sort the final episode the finale of season three will work for me as a series finale they did enough to wrap things up that I'm okay pretending season four doesn't exist if it ends up being awful
2: I don't think uh, it'll be terrible. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be... No, as we said before
0: be a on the show, ball. I think it's going to be good, and I don't think I'm going to have to... Like, for example, the last season of Scrubs, which did not exist. Scrubs ended with JD left.
2: Yeah, well, that's... I don't even know what you're talking about, because exactly. it did end on.
0: Um But, so that's that's where what I, where, where I my take on it. Um, remedial Chaos Theory from last year was one of my favorite episodes of television, period, in 2011. Um... Several community episodes were uh, among my, my favorites. When the show worked, it worked. You know, the, the pillow for it, blanket for it, two-parter was great. Um, I think one of my favorite jokes in 2012 was Britta's love for Subway. Um, the corpo humanoid that she fell in love with and corrupted. I thought that was a hysterical <laughs> storyline. It, it came up with a lot of jokes. Uh, um, my Probably my single favorite joke of 2012... Um, came from the, the Carnival episode where Britta's Carnival boyfriend comes back, and the Dean is sent by uh, John Goodman's character, Vice Dean Layborn to try to corrupt Troy. And when, when the Dean says, I don't tell you how to do it, uh, the Vice Dean says, I don't tell you how to do it, just do what I tell you to, and he leaves, and the Dean goes, uh, buzzes the secretary and says, can you get me a book on how to do things? <laughs> you know what, just make me a scotch and soda. and she says, Do it yourself! I don't know how! Like, I laughed to I cried when that, when that joke was originally delivered, and it's, it stuck with me for, you know, nine months since that episode originally aired. I thought that was hysterical. So, I still love the show. It didn't make the cut for me, but it and Game of Thrones were the ones that were the closest to making my top ten list. Um, do we have anything else we want to say about Community?
2: Rest in Peace. Whenever it uh, does an I'm
3: ideas. sure
0: we're going to be talking
3: about community a lot in the coming year when we see what it, the Harmonless community looks like. Yeah. So
0: I guarantee you, we will talk about community yeah. on the podcast once it is returned. How, how do you, so how do you feel about that.
3: this being Harmon's last stamp on the show? How, like this is in effect the last Harmon is going to be able to say about this, this, these characters, this world, which is essentially his his masterpiece I would I'm willing to call it at this point um Uh, I I for one am sad to see community not wrapped up by him but how do we feel about this being the last community by Harmon we're gonna see
0: I would say I thought the finale like I said uh a few minutes ago worked very well as a series finale and I actually think season three uh was sort of constructed as a meta-commentary on dan Harmon's relationship with the fans you know it started out with that musical sequence saying we're gonna have more fun and be less weird than the last two years combined and it throughout there were a lot of episodes about the idea of like these characters saying like let's try to be a little less weird you know you had uh shirley's wedding where troy and abed were like let's be normal this week we're just gonna do something normal and you had virtual systems analysis which was about abed saying like I don't want to compromise with Annie, um, or the pillow fort episode, which is about Abed saying, no, I will make my art pure, even if it is not as good, even if not as many people see it, I want my art to be pure, and Troy saying, let's do something that people are going to recognize, and I think Dan Harmon was really struggling with that over season three, uh, I don't think season three fundamentally worked as well as seasons one and two of the show did, but I think it was as fascinating as ever, and I think it's highs were as high as the show ever got. So I think it was a good final, final step. Sam, what do you think?
2: Uh Well, I think you summed it up pretty well. I think, you know, if, if uh season, if the show ended, uh, as it ended, it would have been a fine, uh, end to the series, I think. And, you know, the show three seasons, I, you know, I think it would have been enough, honestly. And, and, Granted, with, with Dan Harmon, I would have been with Dan Harmon leaving. I would have been completely fine with the show ending. I felt like he is the show, and kind of how you brought up how 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 much a part his DNA is is a part of the show. You know, it's yeah, I mean, it's my I concern think, about the future of the show. I don't know uh, if it's going to be Community still. I that think still it. is, you know. I I I trust the the cast, and I trust the writers who are who are. Uh, holdovers from when harman was still on board i trust them but at the same time harman's the the brain and the heart of this thing yeah i mean harman has really
0: admitted that you know abed is based on him that creating the character of abed made him confront the fact that he might you know have some social disorders that he needed to look into he's he's been very open about the idea that this show did a lot for him and that he put a lot of himself into it in Abed, in Britta, in, you know, just the way these characters interact and the way that they form a support network for, for each other. Um, and I think that it would be hard for another writer to step in and say, and and take over the characters to the level that Dan Harmon did and and steer them right. Um, and I think we're all going to give season four a chance, but if, if 2012 ends up being the last year that we're willing to acknowledge Community's existence, I think it ended well. Um, I obviously would have hoped for more uh, I think the show is capable at its best of being the best show on TV, or at least very high up there. Um, and it wasn't in 2012, but I think it was very good, nevertheless. And uh, yeah, I have mostly very good things to say about it. Um, why don't we Why don't we shift now and talk for a minute, Sam? We're going to toss things over to you um, and talk for a minute about Louie.
2: Well, when we talk about best comedies on TV, I usually go like, "Oh, Parks and Recreation," and then Community. And then I kind of I leave Louie off this list because I feel it belongs in some unnamed category. Because it's just it's that unpredictable of a show and it's that different. And it's 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 every week you're getting something completely original and you can never guess what the show is. When you go into an episode of Community, or you go into an episode of Game of Thrones, or you go into an episode of, you know,
0: any of Parks show and Recreation,
2: really. any show, you know basically what you're going to get you're going to get a continuation of the story from last week you're going to get you know what characters you're going to get basically the only thing that you can know you're going to get from an episode of louis so far is that louis ck will be in the episode i mean if i just explain to you what happened this season in one episode louis is being is being groomed to replace david letterman on the late show and in another episode he's in china Oh, and by the way, the episode where he's getting groomed for the late show has David Lynch, and the other episode, he is literally in China.
3: <laughs>
2: I mean, this this show will, takes you all over the place, and you have no idea where you're going to go. And I think, in some ways, that's what makes it maybe my favorite show on television right now, is that every week it is an absolute surprise, and it's so clearly his voice. If you listen to enough of his stand-up comedy... You can just hear you can hear it, and obviously his his character himself, but in other people, and the situations he finds himself in, it's so clearly the artist's vision. He edits it, he directs it. I think just this last season he hired he hired an editor to help him out with editing. Um, and I I think this episode this season has so many highlights. Parker Posey's run into in, two, in uh, two episodes was funny and strange and you know, a little bit upsetting. And we had, like I said, David Lynch, who gave a great performance just being this old uh, late night television host coach. It's, it is the most original thing on television right now. More original than Community and for all the great things that Community is doing. It is, I hate like, you know, putting these giant stamps on shows like, it's revolutionary, says, you know. there Says Sam. <laughs> you know, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate like the pull quotes on posters where Says it's, Sam
0: of Sam's couch.
2: Exactly. I hate, I hate those type of pull quotey things and being too superlative about a show. But it is really the most unique thing on television right now. And it is funny and sometimes it is moving. You don't know what you're going to get. And this season was no different. Uh, did you? Did both of you guys watch all this season?
3: I, I am not yes. current at all on Louie. I've watched a few episodes here and there. I've seen maybe six or seven episodes.
2: I mean, um, well, it, it was really difficult for me to, to, pick a best, to pick a best episode. I picked Late Night because it was, I think, probably the most ambitious uh, episode. It was three parts. It felt so deeply personal. It was about...
0: Late Show, you, like... Really, I I felt like nothing else on television at the end of that. I felt, and this is actually, I, I'm gonna go ahead and say, when I watch Louis, I feel like nothing else on television. And you said it already, Sam. When I pick best comedies on TV, I don't even mention Louis, uh, and not because it's not funny. It's because I wouldn't call it a comedy. I wouldn't call it a drama. It is what it is. It's it is unclassifiable. It's it's reductive to try to put a genre identifier on it. It it's just. It's lyrical. It's beautiful. It's moving. Um, when I wa- when I finished Late Show, it's like I was close to tears. Uh, I don't even know of joy or sadness. It was just I was inspired. I I had a smile on my face. It it affected me like nothing else on television did this year. That episode and pretty much every episode of Louis. You know, I I leave Louis every week feeling affirmed, like feeling like I'm a better human being for having watched it. Which is an insane thing to say about a half-hour comedy series ostensibly about a stand-up comedian. You know, like, that's just ridiculous. But tr- it's true. I, you know, some some weeks it's hilarious, and I'm laughing so hard I want to fall out of my chair. Some weeks it's deeply sad, and, and and it's almost scarring. But every time it seems like he's got such a, you know, such an optimism about humanity, even when it seems like he doesn't. And such faith in, in himself and in others to be able to to be good if they try. It's just, you know... I'm gushing about this show, right? You now. are. It's you that, really
2: that's how much really I love are. it. It's... I mean, I think it's worthy. I, I think it's worthy of all the praise it gets. And the most, the, the most emotional moment of this this season for me was the end of Late Show where he's standing outside the Ed Sullivan Theater, shouting, "He did it!" Because and it, it it felt like like watching Rocky. I mean, a lot of it was Louis, you know, running through the streets with kids and he's working on being funny and he's, he's wrestling with the possibility of not being able to see his kids as much. And he's wrestling with the idea of where his career is going to be. Lynch gives a great monologue about, or am sorry, it's not uh, Lynch. in the first; It's uh, Gary Marshall in the first episode where he talks to Louie about where his career is going to be. If he doesn't try for this, if he doesn't get this, where his career might end up. And just knowing that Louie is the person who's like, who, who wrote all these words. These are his fears. These are his worries. So for that, it just feels so intensely personal and in that he's also performing.
0: And it's, it's like, the whole thing was about, he was afraid to do it. You know, he was afraid to put himself out there. And he didn't, you know, obviously he didn't get the gig on the late show. And he's standing there screaming, I did it, I did it. And it's, you know, he just, he put himself out there. He changed. He was willing to go out and try to get something. And it was, I have goosebumps talking about it right now. Like, it was just a beautiful moment.
2: And, you know, I, pick, I picked uh, late show parts one, two, and three for my best of the year. But I could have also easily picked uh, New Year's Eve, which has Parker Posey dying. And then he's just having this existential crisis about being alone and during that, the that, holiday. It was that devastating.
0: Had, you, you started with that hysterical sequence about Louis trying to fix the doll. Uh, where which his was, body, yeah,
2: was unbelievable. He it bought his daughter
0: this doll and it's slightly broken. And he's trying to put it back together and he's just like... You know, he's doing everything you can possibly imagine at the doll. He's basically remaking it from scratch and he's just like, you know, furious and screaming and crying. And then it's just, I was like almost on the floor and then a few minutes later, Parky, Parker Posey is dying in front of him and it's like my heart's being torn out. And then he goes to China and it's like, oh yeah, humanity is basically good and I may be lonely, but like people can reach out and connect to each other. It was a great episode. Virtually every episode this season was great in, in some way or another.
2: Yeah, you don't want to forget, you know, there was the, uh, the episode with Oscar winner Melissa Leo. There was the episode where he went to Miami, which I actually enjoyed very much. Miami
0: was great. There was the Robin Williams cameo, which was basically a short film at the beginning of an episode. Well, I mean, they're, they're all guys.
2: really, <laughs> they all end up being short films, I guess, which is maybe why I have a hard time categorizing it or when I'm thinking about best comedy or best TV show or I'm trying to figure out what belongs in that slot i rarely think of louis because i kind of put it in this separate
0: i do i really think about it as as a short film or short films every week but that specific story the robin williams one i thought was also fantastic where it's louis goes to the funeral for for a man who was uh, a, a comedy club manager who he hated and he knew no one else would go to the funeral and he runs into robin williams there and they're just talking about like this guy was a prick but you know he was a human being and we wanted to give him some respect
2: and then on the back half of that episode, uh, never is this cartoonish problem child who has just the most bizarre thing. He wants to eat raw meat. <laughs> he, <laughs> and that he, was hysterical. He, he diarrheas in the bathtub. It's just and and this is in the same episode with Robin Williams and a Right. And the show begins
0: family. with a black and white sequence with Robin Williams and Louise C.K. at a funeral. And you know, trying to to give this man a send off that he deserved, even though neither of them liked him. And then it goes into uh, a story about Louis having to babysit a kid who diarrhea in a tub. And basically works. everything you can want in an episode. Yeah, and it works. You know, it's it's funny and it's it's smart and it's moving. And yeah, basically, I can't talk about Louis anymore because I just uh, I gush about
2: it. Superlatives forever.
0: Um, if you don't watch the show you should. It's not going to be on in in 2013. Louis is taking the year off before coming back uh, with the fourth season. He's well earned his break um, and I'm sure he'll be doing some great comedy specials in that time. But if you haven't watched the show and Chris, as someone who's only seen a few episodes, seriously, go watch it, season one, straight on through. You don't need to because there are there couldn't be more standalone shows than this, really. The
2: only ones that aren't standalone are the ones that are part one, part Yeah, part
0: yeah part the part right. like the, the multi part episodes. But otherwise, it's it's really as standalone as you can be. Yeah, there is um, no
2: continuity. I anymore.
0: mean, literally this season we found out Louis' ex-wife is black, despite the fact that his children are clearly I wet.
3: saw that. Yeah, that was an interesting moment for me.
0: Cause Louis said I like the actress, and it's not like continuity is a big thing on the show. So yeah. <laughs> um and she was good. So I think you should go watch it, and if you do, we'll talk about it, probably. Uh, those of you who are listening to the podcast who don't, go watch it. If my gushing hasn't been enough for you, uh, I don't know what else to say.
2: Hopefully the, the gushing hasn't turned anyone off. Yeah, it's been a little weird for me.
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a great okay. television program. Why don't we move on now? Chris, why don't we toss things over to you, and we're going to talk about Parks and Rec for a minute.
3: Okay. Uh, this is more of a Sam's baby than I's, but uh, I also love the show very, very much. Uh, I have been a huge fan ever since the extreme jumping quality from season one to season two. And uh, I thought this season uh, started in a very, very interesting place with uh, most of the cast being thrust into new roles that we haven't really seen them in before. Um, having Ben in April be in Washington, D.C., Leslie trying to uh, juggle her new role as a city council person and also still uh, deputy director of the Parks Department Um, and Chris being not so upbeat or as upbeat as we've seen him (laughs) be in past seasons. Uh, Which I think is really, really interesting. The thing I think Parks does uh, better than just about any sitcom I can think of off the top of my head, at least any sitcom on cable, is have their characters experience real growth throughout the series. I think you've seen that in Leslie come up against some real obstacles in government, something she's always been so fond of and happy about, and in the past has always found a way to win no matter what she does. Whereas this season, I really liked that we've had Leslie come up against a few battles which were just lost causes. Uh, And have to accept that maybe government isn't the wonderful institution or always the wonderful institution that she hopes it could be. But in spite of that adversity, tries to do everything she can to make sure that government can be a force for good in people's lives. And also you have um, Tom experiencing some real growth and maybe tempering his expectations, growing up a little bit. Um, Finally doing some doing something that will actually having an achievable dream like he starts a new business which is his expectations are very tempered he has the means to do it and it's a good idea as opposed to something some of his crazier schemes he's had in the past and also huge developments in Ben's life with his relationship with Leslie there's just been so much positive character development this season that It's really phenomenal to see that level of character work come out of a sitcom, which its job is primarily still laughs, which it has been definitely delivering, but also really satisfying moments with its characters.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I agree with everything Chris said. Um, I actually think this current season that's going on now is kind of suffering from the fact that uh, last season's finale with the big election I think last season was probably the peak of the show because it, it was really the apex of Leslie's career and it kind of hit the top, you know, the mountain top. So this season, it kind of felt like an exhale. Um, there have definitely been really good episodes through this season. Uh, notably Ben's parents was really good. Uh, I think Halloween surprise is the one we nominated uh, for best episode from this uh, yes, this Halloween surprises
0: is, is on our, our best episodes list.
2: Um, I think I might have liked I think I might have liked Ben's parents a little bit more than Halloween surprise. Um, uh, April versus Leslie was a good episode. I still get the maybe it's just memory sugarcoating things. I feel like last season was a little bit stronger. Um, this season is certainly good, and like I said before, it is a consistently good show. Uh, they're no. I'm not really getting any stinkers. Something I'm really glad that's over is Tom and Ann's relationship. I'm really happy that Tom's Tom's story is finally propelling forward, and he's kind of learned how to be a better, better businessman. And last week's episode dealt with that, and I really enjoyed last week's episode with Brad Hall. Um, it's a it's it's a wonderfully optimistic show, and it's what what I enjoy. And for all the dark, gritty shows about death and deception that I watch and despair uh, I find something something incredibly comforting about the the optimism on Parson Rec whether it's about relationships or it's about government there's something incredibly refreshing to it and it's an incredibly happy and positive show and I think that's it's good to have in the midst of Mad Men's and Breaking Bads and Game of Thrones where everyone is getting hung or chased by the police it's nice to have a light show and I don't want to. I don't want to. It's not a knock on the show saying it's light, but it's it's a positive show, and it makes me feel good. No, to I, watch I and it's consistently hilarious. I think
3: that's a great point, Sam. And that I can't think of another show that I can describe as at the end of every episode being a very purely feel good show without being very saccharine or disingenuous. I, I feel like mm-hmm. every every smile I have at the end of every episode of Parks and Recreation feels earned for me, as opposed to just.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, think the, I think the flip side of that coin is, I think, often with Modern Family, I think Modern Family can talk about how it's a show that also goes for this, this feel-good, optimistic thing, yeah. but at the end of every episode, it's like a big squeeze from like your grandma, and I don't feel that way from Parks and Rec. On, it's a little bit too saccharine for me yeah. on Modern Family, where it's like, oh, we're all family, we all love each other still, and that's how each episode ends. Well, I think. Go um, ahead,
0: oh, I was gonna say. I think it speaks to Parks and Rec and the, the fact that um, Halloween Surprise was as high as it was on our episodes list, um, and it was number two, by the way. If you haven't read the list, and you should. Uh, and I think the reason Halloween Surprise beat out some episodes that uh, I agree with you, Sam, probably were better and got votes from almost everyone who voted in uh, in our episodes list at all. Uh, I think you got more uh, like votes from more people than any other show. I think it's because of the emotion that people feel for the characters in Parks and Rec, and just the happiness. Like, Halloween Surprise may not have been the funniest episode, but Ben and Leslie getting engaged was such a happy moment, you know, I think that that's, that speaks to the fact that that's why that episode was so popular, and that's why we all love the show so much, is that we're invested in these characters. Um, we want to see them happy, and when they are, it's, it's it's like nothing else on TV, you know? It's like fancy party in twenty eleven uh, with I was with,
2: about to say yeah with
0: April and Andy's wedding. It's just something that's like it was sweet, it was funny, it didn't go overboard, but it went just far enough. Um, it has a good sense of character. It's and also I I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the citizens of Pawnee. As I think this is thrown around by me and by probably everyone who writes about the show ever um, that. The Citizens of Pawnee are the greatest, most absurd, fictional residents since Springfields <laughs> yeah. on The Simpsons. Well, it, it,
2: often, it, it often gets a lot of Simpsons. Uh, and I notes. think
0: that comparison is the most apt because these are people who are, you know, they're quick to mob, they're quick to believe in curses uh, around the carnival or to uh, yeah, follow the lead wore, of Kurt Hapley.
2: <laughs> they all worship this small horse for some reason. yeah weird beliefs. I think every year there's a there's a group of people who think the world is going to end. I think they have... Yeah, they, they, they have gave rise to decided. several cults over the years. But yes. Yeah.
0: Unlike unlike The Simpsons, which I, I love, especially in its prime, obviously, but which always kind of looked down on uh, and sort of mocked the idiocy of its citizens, I think that what... Rack has in in Leslie nope is a character who says these are my idiots you know like <laughs> they're crazy they're insane they're dumb a lot of the time but they're my citizens and I want to better their lives and I'm gonna listen to their concerns and I think that that's a, an important message of positivity but it's also pretty funny when you have Leslie going to bat for some people or sometimes against uh, like the Marsha Langstroms or whatever her last name is um, the crazy religious right uh, of Pawnee um, and I think that that's a great message for the show, but it also gives an almost endless comedic well. I, I, I mean, literally everything part happily has ever said uh, is hysterical.
2: And you know, it also just so happens that uh, Simpsons veteran Mike Scully is a writer on Parks and Rec, yeah. or at least a, cons- a producer and consultant type position. Yeah, I mean, he's a consulting producer. That's <laughs> so. So there's there's some uh, there's some Simpsons DNA in this, and I'm sure Mike sure is very. Aware of the Simpsons, oh, of as course, any good comedy writer would be.
0: Um, is there anything else we want to say about Parks and Rec before we move on? Nope, nope. I
2: think okay, we're, we're ready go. to go.
0: Cool. Well, we're going to let's get dark. Yeah, we're going to move on to almost certainly the darkest show on television in 2012, and talk a little bit about Breaking Bad. Ooh. This season, we had Walter White walking away from his victory against Gus Fring and really taking his place as the. Crime Lord as the the head of a criminal empire that quickly grew uh, beyond his wildest imaginations. Um uh before I get in depth into my thoughts on season 5 of Breaking Bad, why don't we start Sam, what did you think about Breaking Bad this year?
2: Um I think it was characteristically great. Uh, I think there were some issues I feel like with pacing. Sometimes I feel some things happened a bit quickly. It seemed, you know, there was the train robbery episode and that just happened, or the cliffhanger for the end of the season. Everything kind of felt a little bit sudden to me, and I think that kind of had to do with the, the eight, fact that... The eight-episode order. Yes, the eight-episode order. Um, so things... I, I seem to think that Breaking Bad is at its best when things kind of unfold slowly, and that's when things get incredibly intense towards the end of the season, and that's when the show... that's you know, the show earns those incredibly intense moments, and I think while while the show was great this season, I feel like they, they got to things very quickly. Um, some things, I thought the cliffhanger was really great to end the season with um, Hank finding the Walt Whitman book. Um, you know, and the one image that stands out to me is Skylar going into the pool, and how blue that water is, and how she goes under, and then Walt just comes in like a shark and scoops her out.
0: I love the way, Versus... uh, I want to I throw in, because you mentioned how blue the water is, I love the way every scene in that backyard, especially that one and one in the finale, I think, um, just bathes Walt and Skyler in that blue light. You know, it just so...
2: Got your blue myth. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. So obviously ties them inextricably to the their criminal enterprise. And I think it's such a subtle, nice touch that, that the pool is so unearthly blue.
2: And also, the show deserves tremendous credit for um, that the last scene right before Hank goes to the bathroom and finds it where they're all just like kind of sitting on the patio and nothing's really happening. And I think every single fan of the show was thinking the same thing. Someone is going to get blown up because this is also you know, the last episode right before the end of the episode. Yeah. Someone's going to get blown up. Someone's going to get shot. Something horrific is going to happen and nothing really explosive happens. I was literally on
3: the you know how they use the expression, the edge of your seat. I was on the edge of my seat for that entire sequence. Something had to happen
2: there. And that was, it's, I think Alfred Hitchcock said that suspense is not showing the bomb, but it's, it's not when two people know the bombs there, but it's when the bombs under the table and the two people don't know it's there. Something like that. Yeah. You guys heard that phrase before? Yeah. I think, you know, we know that there was a bomb somewhere and of course, no one there knew it was a bomb. We were all just kind of waiting for it to go off. And it was it was an, it was an incredibly intense moment that they were able to beautifully craft. And we had already had certain expectations about what happens at these family dinners outside by the pool. So it was it was a great moment.
0: Oh yeah, and I I want to talk about the finale actually. That was our number one episode of the year in our in our episodes list. As it should be. Um, as it should be. I thought it was the best episode of television this year. Um, But I want to talk about the finale a little bit more in a minute, but first I want to talk about, Chris, your general impressions about Breaking Bad. Uh,
3: As, again, I I agree with Sam, this season was absolutely characteristically great, everything that I expect the show to be. I didn't have the same pacing problems that Sam did. Uh, I liked... uh, I I actually liked the quickened um, pace and flow of the narrative we had this season, I thought that it did work best in that final episode, which I'm sure we're going to focus on in a second. But um, I think having taken uh, Walter White through the rise up the the chain of the criminal empire until finally he is a kingpin, he is at the top, I was perfectly fine with now just zeroing in on some of the more important moments and some of the more... Um, Bigger turning points throughout the season. Uh, I I think we would be remiss if not talking about the character of Mike. Um, the, the name of the actor is escaping me right now. Jonathan Banks. Jonathan Banks, Jonathan who also Banks.
2: was on Parks and Parents. Yeah, played Parks
3: Ben's hat. Hat. on Parks and Rec. Uh, Jonathan Banks had an amazing performance this season, as he did last season. Uh, and I think the episode, his final episode, and his final moments were some of my favorite moments from this show this season. Um. I loved the continuing dynamic between Walt and Jesse. That has become one of my absolute favorite relationships on television. And all of the intricacies of this relationship are just fascinating to watch. And it, it, at times it almost breaks my heart more to watch Walt and Jesse in a scene than it does Walt and Skyler. I don't know if that's because of just how far that marriage has dissolved throughout the course of the show but just seeing how much Jesse came to look to Walt respect him and think of him as a friend and just how Walt was manipulate continuously manipulating him throughout the season to bigger greater and greater heights it, it, it was just it was hard to watch at times um and i think that's a hallmark of a great show if it's if you want to look away but can't i think that's great television
0: yeah i i completely agree um i thought season five was phenomenal i think i think the show i'll agree with sam i don't i didn't see the pacing problems that sam had but i'll agree that i think the eight episode order really hurt the show uh well i won't say really because it was my second favorite show of the year um i thought season five was phenomenal but I think, I think it didn't have the time, to, the room to breathe that it usually does. And some of my favorite episodes of Breaking Bad have been those quiet moments between the big ones. And I think these were the eight episodes you had to have to get to the point they needed to be at the end of the season. But if you had the five others they usually have to, to play with, you, you would have had some quiet moments in between that I think would have been phenomenal.
2: Um, well, that's what I was talking about with the pacing. I yeah. mean, that is the pacing of the show.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I, don't, I, I, I wouldn't call it a pacing. I'm talking
2: about, when I'm talking about pacing, I'm talking about how, you know, how things unfolded on the show and the speed at which things happen between each other. Sure. And I, I mean, a... I
0: wouldn't call it a pacing problem. I think it was a different pace for the show. That's what I would say. Okay. Um, yeah, because I, I just didn't have a problem with it that I think you, you maybe slightly had. But I, no, I, I, I agree with you more or less. Um, but I want to talk about Gliding Overall, which I think, uh, the finale of the show, or the episode, of season, rather, which I think was the best episode of television this year, and did something, Chris and I have talked about this a lot, um, it did something that I didn't think a television show could do within an episode, which is basically distill the philosophical idea that, like, eventually everything becomes a routine into 45 minutes of television. Um... I was reading an article literally today, that I was like, I'm going to talk about this on the podcast tonight. Uh, that was about how like over time uh, humans sort of default back to routine, where it's the idea of like when you first meet someone and you fall in love, at first love is fantastic, but eventually after like a year or two, things sort of default and people think they've lost the love and it's like, no, just human beings can't experience that level of joy all the time.
2: Oh, was this in the New York Times? Yeah. Yeah, I thought I saw that.
0: Yeah, it, and it was a great article you should go read, by the way. But it reminded me of, of what Gliding Overall was able to do in an episode of television, which is basically say Walter White got to the top and he loved it, and then he stayed at the top, and eventually it just became another day job, and he was just living another day living another day, and it became a routine. And he, you know, he got to, to be depressed, and he got to feel like he wasn't really alive as he had before he was diagnosed with cancer at the beginning of the show. And it's. You know, I would have expected that to take a season to play out, maybe, but they did it so well within that finale. it blew me away. I don't know did you, did either of you have thoughts as strongly about the finale?
3: no absolutely i I agree with everything you just said. We have talked about this on occasion, and i the um the duality of selling a concept like that and you you give it forty minutes of time when you say i I don't even think they did it in that much. I think almost.
0: It was the montage. Yeah, really.
3: it was the mo- It was like an eighteen minute. It was like an eight minute montage, and the aftermath of so that's that. That's a that crystal was blue persuasion, concept, which I thought is an an absolute achievement in television storytelling to be able to so perfectly sell that idea within such a short span of time. The the that idea being almost. Um, seemingly incompatible with the idea of showing it in a short span of time and it working as well as it did is just such an impressive achievement that that show has to sit beside its many impressive achievements.
0: Yeah. Well in this, especially, I always like, I I mean, Breaking Bad is one of, if not my favorite show of all time. Like if it's six, the landing, it will be in the conversation for my favorite television show ever. Yeah. Um, And I think it will set the landing, but one of the things that I always point out to people is I think Breaking Bad does a montage better than any other show on television, um, and gliding overall, the finale had two of the best montages the show has ever done in the the prison execution sequence, and then uh, the the crystal blue persuasion sequence, which is like the expansion of the the Heisenberg empire overseas and Walter's growth to the top to the, to his heights, and eventually the. Uh, boredom that he experiences with it. And I think that that montage conveyed, like you said, it conveyed the idea in really just a few minutes that uh, could have taken a season or, or more to get us to. Uh, I just thought it was a great achievement. And the, the the cliffhanger, I wasn't necessarily crazy about it because we always knew the show was going to go there, but I thought it was handled about as well as it possibly could have been. Uh, like, the, the the way that I thought about it is if Hank... If Hank had to find out, I think the best way for Hank to have found out is for Walter to have kept the Leaves of Grass book around. And for that flashback, which was basically, we learned that Walter White is undone by his own arrogance, it just isn't his current arrogance, I thought was fantastic. Like, that the, the, the brief flashback to one of my favorite scenes uh, from earlier in the show, where... Uh, Hank is joking around, saying "WW," like "Oh, Willy Wonka, Walt Whitman, and and uh, Walter White," and Walter goes, "You got me." And it was just like it was a great moment yeah. that in one of one of Walter's most arrogant moments, and like that. Hank finally connected the dots and flashback to that was, I thought, perfect.
3: Oh, absolutely! Uh, it was just such a perfectly quiet. I, I I I agree with you that it was not an unexpected development. But I think it was unexpected for where it came in the show. I, I, we always knew that was going to happen, but I didn't think that's when it was going to happen. So that's why it worked as a cliffhanger and a mid-season break
0: for me, at least. Oh, sure. And I mean, it works as a cliffhanger because it's holy shit. Yeah. Like, now Hank probably knows where are we going from here. And we already know that Walt's going to end up by himself with a machine gun in his trunk. So I'm, I'm interested to see where the show goes from there. Is there anything else we want to say about Breaking Bad before we move on to our final show?
2: I think we covered it. Cool. Well, now now we're going
0: yeah. to talk about um, I isolated this last because it, it hit my number one show of the year. I don't know how you guys feel, um, but let's talk briefly about Mad Men. I want to start with you, Chris, and uh, we'll go around and then we'll you know we'll get more in depth.
3: Okay, uh, I thought this was one of the best seasons of Mad Men. Uh, that the show has had if not possibly my favorite just for the the sheer run of quality that it had this year was mind-blowing i thought that so many episodes were just so on point you had a couple game changer episodes within the show uh and a few experimental episodes uh you had big character moments for many of our favorites as well as a couple of surprise returns some big status quo changes within the firm and for characters in general and at least for me i think a couple characters surprisingly coming into their own i'm going to single out um both uh megan and um oh man wow i'm blanking on her name the character's name uh, don's daughter um Sally. Sally. Sally Draper. Sally.
2: It was a good season yeah, for Sally. it was a great season oh, for Oh, by Sally. good, I mean bad.
3: But. Well, it, <laughs> it's always bad her, for Sally for Draper. It was an amazing season. And I I never thought that I would be interested in a Sally Draper plotline. And then this season, I was. And I loved everyone we got. And I also was really sold on the character of Megan this season. Uh, I thought that this was, again, one of their better seasons. What did you guys think?
0: Uh, Sam, why don't we go to you first?
2: Yeah, I mean, this was a season with some absolutely great moments. I think, I think the the, the tragedy with um, I his name, Jared Harris's character Lane, uh, Lane, Lane. Yeah. I mean, that was that was played out very well, and I think that was something they used the length of the show. They played the long game well with with Lane very, very well. Uh, this is something, right? That I think that's been brewing since last season.
0: Um, well, there's been an air of death hanging over the show. Like people have been talking about, oh, someone's going to kill themselves this season since Lane's character first appeared. Which I wonder if it was intentional. I kind of assume it was because Matt Weiner plans so far ahead. Um, but it wouldn't surprise but me. I mean, me there was. I mean, the
2: big thing this season early on was the elevator shaft. Yeah. And everyone's like, somebody's somebody's going to die. I mean, this show, like I said, this show is is so great in so many ways. It is often not a subtle show. Um, Namely with uh, Don's rotten tooth. Yeah, exactly. And, he, uh, and <laughs> the, the tooth is not the only thing that's rotten. Um,
0: <laughs> it's but, you. You're also rotten.
2: But, uh, <laughs>
3: Wait, I just got that. Really? That was <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just episodes episodes that stand out to me. Commissions and fees. Um, what I think our pick, uh, Far Away Places, which was a fucking fantastic episode. You get the uh, LSD trip with Roger amazing. Uh, he is yet again, great. And I was, I was expecting actually Roger to kind of kill himself this year because things are, have been going horribly for Roger for a while. Roger, Roger Um, went in an
3: interesting direction this year. No, he
2: definitely, he definitely had an interesting season. (laughs) Also I was going to bring up Sally. I think I thought Sally had a great storyline this year and it was a lot about her growing up and what it means to be an adult. And I think of the, um, at The, the codfish, fish, yes, at the oh, codfish ball. Oh, that final
3: moment when they're all sitting at the table together, facing the camera it's was inc- dreadful. incredible. Oh my god!
2: <laughs> um, the other woman—I know it's an incredibly. I think it's divisive. I wasn't a huge fan of it. I didn't think—I didn't think it would be something Joan would do. Honestly, I thought it was a little bit out of character for her. I think it's—I think it's uh, most people really, really, really like that episode. That was the other great. one
0: that came close. That was the split uh, for yeah. the movie named Staff, was Faraway Places versus The Other Woman. And for the best I, and that's that's, that I'm a that's big why I voted for
2: Faraway Places.
0: And I, uh, um, I actually flipped. Rachel was the big holdout. Rachel and Chris were the big supporters in the ed board for uh, The Other Woman, and I flipped Rachel, which I think really helped Faraway Places to, to run away with it uh, on the actual list. <laughs>
2: um, well, I think it was, it was a great performance by Christina Hendricks, without a doubt. The the problem I had with the episode was it felt too far away from Jones's character and and I mean I'm sure you could you can try to justify everything what she did you know given her circumstances it still felt like a bit of a stretch to me Um, and maybe my my the thing the the image in my mind that sticks out for me from this season and there were so many great ones you know there was. Lane, you know, dead in the office, which is horrifying, but what stuck out to me was the end of the season when Megan is taking that acting job or whatever Mm -hmm. and the scene where she's on set and Don's there and Don's walking away from her and she's on set that's like this well-lit set and he's just kind of walking away in the darkness and Don, at that point, is done with her.
3: Again, not overly subtle, but uh,
2: an image that that burns itself
3: into your mind yeah the fact I, that you're a, saying
0: like this is an image that stuck with me and that's one of the things like it popped into my head and i can distinctly remember the shot like i think that says all we need to about yeah. it
2: well i mean it was it was a beautiful i mean it was a beautiful, oh, gorgeous. beautiful looking shot and it no it was not subtle but it it's an image that burns into your mind and that was that was just one of my favorite little moments from the season and another great season for Mad Men, and something about Mad Men is i'm i'm happy that there is an end um what do we get? One more season? Two more seasons? I think we've got
0: at least two more. I
3: think No, I think it's just two more at this point.
2: Alright, two more and then it's yeah. done. I like the idea that it will have an end. Yeah, I, like I mean, we're ne- especially I it was touch
0: and go for a minute with Matt Weiner's contract dispute and everything. I think the show yeah. will get the end it deserves. Um,
2: I, I like that um, it will have a definitive end and we don't have to worry about Mad Men going all the way into the early 80s. Um <laughs> I I think something that's going to be interesting looking forward to in terms of storylines, Peggy is the most interesting to me. I want to see how they handle that because while I feel like this show would be bold enough to completely exile a character that's even as important as Peggy, I still find it hard to believe she'll be gone for too long. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that's handled. Because I love Peggy. She's great. Yeah, she really is.
0: Yeah, um, I agree, obviously, about Peggy. I disagree with you, Sam, about the other woman, because I don't think it was all that far out of Joan's character. And I think what the episode was doing was was important enough and well-executed enough to be worthwhile. But I think the the, the bigger point for me, this was easily my favorite season of Batman, which is also up there with Breaking Bad. I think the two have sort of jockeyed back and forth over their runs among uh, as my favorite show on TV. And both are in consideration as my favorite show of all time. Like I say, if they stick the landing, once I've had time to ruminate and rewatch them, either one could be my favorite show of all time, really. And I think this was the best season of Mad Men. Um, you had to run from, if you're going to be a little generous, from Mystery Date, but even if you're not, from the next episode after that, Signal 30, pretty much all the way through the other woman that was like classic after classic after classic. You know, you had Signal 30, Far Away Places, At the Codfish Ball, uh... Just bam, 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 right in a row. It was like every week for for a run in that in this season, the show was wow. That's one of the best Mad Men episodes I've ever seen, and it just kept doing it again and again. And we talked a little bit, Chris. You talked about Megan coming into her own. I was I was on the side of I wish the show hadn't done that at the end of season four when Don married Megan. You know, yeah. I I had loved Faye, and I understood why Don was not gonna end up with her, but I thought it was stupid to have him run off and marry Megan. And this show sold Megan so strongly from, from a little kiss, from the premiere. They sold her so well as a character that I was completely invested in her and completely on board with, with that marriage and what it was going to say for the show. And It's, it's very and
3: hard I, for a show to do that, to introduce a character so late in the game that represents a diversion away from where you want the narrative to go, what would make you happy for the characters, but you know is wrong for the show because it's less interesting. And have that character become not only a real, well-rounded character, but also a character that, at the end of the day, you like. I mean, I, I fully, I'm, I like Megan's character. I like
0: her a yeah, lot. me I've too.
3: In to her storylines and where they go from here.
0: No, I, I completely agree. Um, and yeah, uh, Megan was sold as a character for me, but I think, I think the way they sold that relationship and especially in faraway places which was my favorite mad Men episode of the season um and probably second only to gliding overall and maybe uh louis late show three parter as my favorite episodes of the year um i think faraway places made the the point perfectly which is don and megan are are a surface relationship that's why they were able to get married and um in that moment you know you get the flashback to i want to hold your hand and and, and megan's Every time we fight, we lose a little bit of this. They're they're in the honeymoon period, and the question is: Is there gonna be anything left when that honeymoon period ends? And I think I think the end of the season had sort of a bleak outlook on that. Yep. In that phenomenal "You Only Live Twice" montage sequence.
2: Don't forget Zuby Zoo.
0: And there was Zuby <laughs> Zoo, which was uh, just just something. That's what I'll say about that. Um, do we have anything else to say about Madman before we wrap things up tonight? No, yeah, I think that's about it. Sam?
2: No, I think we covered it.
0: Cool. Well, uh, then we're going to close the box on the Best of Television podcast here. We've talked a lot about the things we loved about 2012. We'd love to hear from you guys what you loved about 2012, what you completely disagree with us on about 2012. Um, You can follow us on Twitter at ReviewBenamed. You can email us at ReviewBenamed at gmail.com. You can come to the website and comment on any or all of our lists or on the podcast comment section we're at ReviewName.com. Uh, for now, we hope you'll tune back in next week when we're going to be doing another Best of 2012 podcast and covering our best, our favorite music of 2012 with our Best of 2012 music podcast. So for now, have a good week. We'll see you back here next Friday. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.